Well, I usually always open up with something about me, um, just because, well, let me just say this. My name's Matt. I'm the youth pastor, and I'm not saying that as a joke. I know some of you are laughing because I've been here about three and a half years, and, but, but some of you may have kids, you know, that maybe they're not connected to a church, or maybe you're new, maybe you're a guest with us, and I want you to know um, we have a phenomenal team in our student ministry of leaders um, as well as Taylor Heinzman leading with the, the girls' discipleship, and we're excited about what God's doing in the student ministry, so we would love for you um, please talk to me after this if you have a kid, middle school, high school, love to get plugged in. Um, so, my name's Matt, um, and um, there's one thing that, uh, that I like. There's a lot of things I like. One of them is paintball. I like paintball. Um, joy of student ministry, we get to play paintball. Um, now look, I'm not saying that I enjoy shooting your kids, all right? Just, it's not what I'm saying. But I'm excited about God using me and maybe some other adults to humble the trash-talking middle school boys. Um, you know, it's all about discipleship, and we like to be used by God. So that's kind of what we're at. Um, but I like it, but there's one thing I always am reminded of quite frequently when I play paintball, and that is whether it's wintertime or summertime, I sweat, like, a lot. Um, sorry to gross you out this morning. I know you hadn't eaten lunch yet, but yeah, I do. And when you put a mask on your face and you go out into the humidity of our wonderful, beautiful state of Alabama, you get fogged up really quick. At least I do. And I've tried all of the various things. You know, there's all these remedies that you get, natural things. There's chemicals that you spray on there. And it just never works. Like, I'm just always getting fogged up. And so what I do during the game, typically, periodically, is I jump, I take cover, and I get down as low as I can in order to wipe the inside of my mask, either with a rag or my fingers, to wipe it clean. Because something I've come to the conclusion of it's very important to have clear vision when you are in battle. Now, interestingly enough, we as believers are in battle every day. Every day, the forces of the enemy are fighting to destroy your marriage, your ministry your family, every day. So it would prove for us that the spiritual eyes that God has given to us, that we as believers have been given the Holy Spirit and therefore given sight to see the things of God and be empowered by God, that we would have clear vision. But see, oftentimes, here's what happens our spiritual eyes get fogged. They need to be wiped clean every day by the washing of the Word of God, right? By the walking with the Spirit of God. But oftentimes, they get fogged up. When's the last time that you have had your spiritual eyes cleansed with your time specifically walking with God or alone with Him? I just ask you that this morning. We're going to dive in to a portion of Paul's letter to the Ephesian church, or the churches of Ephesus. 
And what Paul shows us, let me just say this, is really cool, okay? Like, like it's exciting stuff. He shows us how to have clarity. And he actually does it in a prayer that he prays specifically for the believers. How to have clear thoughts, things to meditate on in order to have clear vision of who we are and who God is. All right. Before we get started, I'd just love to pray for us. So pray with me. Father, you are glorious. God, the truth of what that means is so much deeper than what it sounds. God, you are the Father of glories, the glorious Father, meaning that you are the source of all beauty and power brightness God you're the source of it all so as we come before you this morning God we who are weak who are frail who have sin we who are the lovers of pleasure maybe the lovers of multiple idols God who have forgotten our love for you we come God asking that you show us the reality of who you are. God, show us the might and the majesty of King Jesus who is enthroned right now and show us clearly, God, how much you love us, what your power is to us, what the hope, what is the hope that we fully and completely can confidently know is true about our now and our forever. So God, open up our eyes, block out the distractions, make our hungry stomachs, if they are hungry, God, I pray you would take the hunger away and give us a deeper hunger in that moment for you. And let this time be sweet, nourishing, exciting, and give us a passion. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, let's read from the Word of God specifically as it is here in the letter to Paul's church in the book of Ephesians. Let's just say it the way it is. Specifically in verse 15, starting in chapter 1, read with me. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Amen. Yeah. Well, as you can tell, this is going to be rich. I'm pumped. I'm sorry. All right, so let me just say this. Let me give you some background and give you some context and not step on this thing right here. Um, Here it is. You got Paul, the apostle. He was real, okay? 
and he's writing a letter from prison in Rome. He's writing it specifically to the people and the churches, like we've already said, that are in this city called Ephesus. Now, let me just give you a little background on Ephesus, okay? Ephesus. It was the capital of the Roman province of Asia, modern-day Turkey. Really great trade route. It was a harbor city as well as nicely positioned on some trade routes. Why am I telling you all this? They had culture. They had a stadium. They had a theater. They had pretty good income coming in. The economy was great, meaning there was a lot of things to do. But here's something else I want you to know about. One of their claims to fame was a magnificent temple built to the Greek goddess Artemis. Why does that matter? Well, one, it was one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. If you're a history nerd like me, it's kind of cool. But two, because it means that they had very similar things that we do in our culture today. There was idolatry, there was sin, and there was a whole lot of distractions in this town. It's the world we live in right now. And I'll throw this out here just to kind of give you a hook to grab on. Artemis, I don't know if you know this Greek mythology, interesting that she is the goddess of hunting. That's just weird to me. In wild animals, not to say ladies can't hunt. I'm just saying it was just weird. Anyway, all right. So Paul's writing this letter to them, and he has been here before. Matter, matter of fact, for about two or three years, he set up shop in Ephesus. He had actually shared the gospel with them and, and saw them coming to faith in Christ out of this pagan worship. And it was so much of a movement of God in response to the gospel that when he was there, which is recorded for us in Acts 19, he, um, he got pretty much, not booted out, but suggestedly left because there was a riot among some of the silversmiths who made these shrines that were being sold for worshipers or Artemis. Now, I know that's a lot of information. The bottom line is people were coming to faith in Christ and they were saying, you know what? I worship him and him alone. And they stopped worshiping Artemis, and it was affecting people's income. That's pretty cool. Man, I pray for a movement of God like that. That'd be awesome. All right. And it's possible. So there's your background. Let's get this party started. Paul says in verse 15, For this reason... Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. Something that sticks out to me when I read that is for this reason. You ever see for this reason or therefore in scripture? What does it mean? Some of my students have heard me say this quite a bit, but it means it's a giant arrow that points up to what just happened. What did Paul just say? So I'm going to summarize that for you. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this is where Paul lands in verse 3 of chapter 1, okay? Follow with me. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And then he outlines, with description, the privileges and blessings that are ours in Christ. So 4 through 14 is pretty much a description. And I'll summarize that for you. He says that, 
you are chosen in Christ even before the foundation of the world was laid, which is awesome in itself. That you're adopted as sons, that you were redeemed and forgiven by the blood of Christ, you who were the enemies of God, you who greatly offended God by your sin. You ever thought about how much you offended God by your sin? Just for a second, to, to stop and think, you realize your sin was not just a bad thing that you did. To God, it's like saying, God, I hate you. I don't need you because my way is better than your way. So, I mean, honestly, it's like doing an offensive gesture to God every single time that you sin. You ever thought about that? That's what it really means. And that's what our sin does. But then we see that we have been redeemed and forgiven in Christ for all of the offenses that we have done before him. Man, because of the blood of Christ. That we've been reconciled in Christ. And that there's a mystery that's been revealed in Christ that not only are we reconciled, but that all creation in the end of days will be reconciled to him. And that the enemy will be done away with. It's pretty awesome. Verse, and then the fifth thing, that, that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Meaning that that in, in and of itself, the indwelling of God, gives us a guarantee of our inheritance to come. Alright, so all of these things he has said before this passage starts, this prayer. And he says, for this reason... One thing I just skipped over that I'm going to come back to. Do you realize that these promises and privileges are actually for all believers? That means Gentile believers, which would be most, if not all of us. It means Jewish believers, those who have come to faith in Christ. You know what's really cool about that? I don't know if you know this, but Jews and Gentiles, there's a pretty bad racial divide. And going throughout Old Testament history, there was a pretty distinct prejudice and hatred. You know what's cool about all believers being included in Christ? All having the same rights and privileges? There is no skin color. There is no race. It's one of the reasons I picked this picture on the front of your handout. We're one in Christ awesome and that the future is that we are going to be with him worshiping one many from every tribe and every nation many different faces many different colors many different backgrounds many different languages and all of us will be one in Christ worshiping and that if you don't get that in Paul's letter to most of his letters are to Gentile believers if you don't get the joy of that then you're missing it there's a unification. Man, may we see that more and live lives accordingly. So Paul praises God in verse 3 through 14 for all these blessings. And then he prays, which is our text today, that we would grasp, hold, and know the fullness of these blessings more. 
And then he begins. For that reason, all that we've said, I have heard, and because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. Paul's in prison, but he gets regular visitors that give him reports about the Christians and and the various churches that he had been in ministry to and throughout the world. One of, obviously, those visitors has told him about the church at Ephesus and how they are They have a faith that is growing in the Lord Jesus and that they have a love that is on display for others, other saints and one another. I don't know about you, but it just made me pause when I looked at that and I thought, it's just a great reminder that as a believer in Christ, one, my faith has to be in Him and Him alone for salvation and forgiveness of sin. Right? My allegiance is sworn fully and totally to Him. But what goes hand in hand with really being in Christ is that there is a growing love that I have for you. And the same is true for you and other believers. Right? Jesus says to the disciples, John 13, 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have a love for one another. John goes on in 1 John to actually say it even to to say it himself bluntly, if you say you know Jesus and you hate your brother, you are a liar. And it ain't true. Pretty blunt. So Paul has seen them come to faith because he was there and he shared the gospel. He's seen them come out of this pagan idol worship sinful life and God transformed them through the power of the gospel and he's thinking of this and now hearing that they're continuing in faith and what does he do and he gives thanks to God every time in his prayers for what God's doing and has done in them now that's awesome and maybe you don't see that so so here's what I want to ask you have you ever stopped and just said who is somebody that I really just am thankful to God for and why and I was about to say something that was not grammatically correct but and given thanks to him to the Lord for that and then sent them a message and said hey I just want to tell you that I just thank God for you I encourage you to do that today. Do that. We all need encouragement. We certainly all need prayers. So, Paul gives thanks. And then, I hope you're ready, now it's time to buckle up. I know it seemed like it's been a long road, but man, here we get to his prayer. Okay? Here it is. He prays. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. And I stop. Do you see what he just did? Maybe you're like me. You just heard me read that. You see it on the screen. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. And you go, oh wow, Matt, underline that. That's interesting. 
But then, if you read it, you just hear it, and it just goes in one ear out the other, or you're like, yeah, okay, he's giving titles for God. I want you to stop and think about what he just said. Glory. The Father of glory. Also known as the glorious Father. Okay? God is not, what that means is, it's not just God is separated into a different category, although he is, right? What it actually means is that he is the source of all beauty, all brightness. Right? That word glory there is brightness, splendor, or beauty of the divine presence. So you see what he's just said? He's literally adoring God. You are the source, not just better and not just bigger. The sun's bright. Definitely. You're not supposed to look at it. This is family worship. There are kids in here. You're not supposed to look at it directly, kids. All right? See? That one time you looked up. That's good. All right. The sun is very bright. How bright is it? I'm not going to give you all the lumens and all that stuff because, honestly, I read up on this. You really need a degree just to explain it. All right? Some of you may have that degree. That's great. Um, so I'm going to put it in, in Matt's common world language. If you took the amount of light bulbs that it would take to equal the brightness of the sun, it'd be a lot. But the weight of those light bulbs, the weight of them, would weigh ten times more than the planet Earth. Wow. That's some heavy stuff, right? That just led into that joke, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, but think about that. The brightness, that's what we would have to do to equal the brightness of the sun. And God is the source of the brightness of the sun. Meaning he just gave a little portion of his brightness to the sun. Astounding. And of course we could talk about his beauty, right? Same is true. We see a beautiful sunset at the beach. We just got back from the beach about a week ago. Man, beautiful, right? Sunrise, sunset, you just go, oh man. You just want to take it all in and want it to never end. Again, it's just a portion of his beauty. It comes to this. When Paul prays this, what is being made very clear is true in his heart is that God is fully and completely qualified, more than qualified, to meet every single request that he has and anyone throughout all of creation who is his children has before him. Boom. And that is a really awesome way to start a prayer. So what does he pray? He prays this for us and first for the church at Ephesus. He says, may they have, may God give you a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know. Now I want you to look at these phrases that I've got up there. Spirit of wisdom. He says, and of revelation. So, and a spirit of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, and that you may know. Right? You could teach an entire sermon just on those phrases. Not going to do that, so we're going to bullet down. What's He praying for? Well, He's praying that first the Holy Spirit would reveal, whether it's talking about 
the person of the Holy Spirit or the work of the Holy Spirit, we know those phrases, spirit of wisdom, spirit of revelation, means that I've got to have the Holy Spirit reveal the deep truths of God to me first. Second, that our hearts would be, or the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, right? Some of you may know this is, this phrase is kind of a throwback or a go back to the Hebrew understanding of heart. And the Hebrew understanding of heart is the very core of my being, right? My gut inside of me that affects everything, the essence of me. So the eyes of the very core of my being would be flooded with light, is another way to say that. For what purpose? That we would know. Know what? Well, it's not just an intellectual knowledge, although that's where it begins, right? I've got to read the scripture. I've got to see it with my eyes. But it goes here to here that I would know it in the insides. Now, I'm going to say this. I just told you I got back from the beach about a week ago. ate this place called Hope's Cheesecake. If you don't know about it, it's really good. Um, delicious. Now, it's one thing for me to say, Hope's Cheesecake tastes really good. It's very sweet. But it's a whole other thing for me to put that cheesecake in my mouth and let the sweetness and the deliciousness of all those flavors come alive in my mouth. And that's what he means by to know. And that's what he's saying to you and to me and for the Ephesians, that they would know from the very core of their being on the insides that when I eat cheesecake like that, I get excited. And it's not just a sugar rush. It's like I want to tell everybody about how good this is. Well, when we're talking about the sweetness of Christ, he's saying I want you to know him so depth deep, to, to, for him to be so real that literally it is a passion in the insides of your being that comes out. Do you get that? Man, we should pray for each other like this. All right, so what? I want to stop real quick, and, and I want to read you a quote. A quote that I think is fitting for us just as much as it's fitting for the church that it was read it to, that it was read to. A guy named J.D. Greer, he's the SBC convention president and also pastor of the Summit Church in North Carolina. He said this specifically to his church, and you be the judge if it's true for us. He said, our problem is not that we do not understand the truths about God's love. It's that we don't feel them. We don't taste them. They haven't burst alive in our hearts. A sense of God's love never causes us to weep or to worship many of you guys are good at knowing and memorizing stuff you know what christians believe and what they should do but you don't flow with a passion for god when's the last time you had a passion for god well maybe it's today for some of you but likely for others that sentence fits you really, really close. Like a glove. You know the right things to say. 
You know the right things you're supposed to believe. You know what you're not supposed to do. But the question is not all of those things. The question is, is he alive in you? When is the last time that you've had the spiritual eyes of your heart cleansed and you've been passionate about God? And we're not just talking about mere feelings, right? We're not just focusing on feelings for the sake of feelings. But we are saying that the God of the universe is also a God who can affect your feelings. If it's been a while, the question is why? Why have you not had a sweet time with him? Paul gives us three things that I'm going to share with you in closing. I promise I will not. Anyway, sorry it's been a little bit long, but it's fun. I hope you're having a good time. You having a good time? Amen. Let's keep going. Good. Some of you are like, what? Uh, no, here we go. All right. Um, so here are three things that I want you to see Paul pray for us that I really believe, at least for me, I've found. These are things that we can meditate on. If you find yourself saying, Lord, I don't really feel passionate. Man, these are things that we can grab hold and we can pray for our life and we can meditate on the truth of them. All right? So let's do that. The first thing he prays for is that we would see the hope to which we have been called. What is hope? Well, we have an idea of hope in our culture that, that's kind of willy-nilly, and, and the word really holds this. Like, for example, I really hope that Auburn wins a lot of football games this year. Yeah, well, no offense, trying to be an optimist. Eh, could go either way. Um, right? But when the Bible talks about hope, it is a confident, certain assurance that may have not come yet, but will definitely happen. That's the biblical understanding of hope. So what are the hopes that we've been called to? Well, first, when God looks at us, those who are in Christ, He says, you are mine. So we're His. We've been adopted by Him, by His choice, before the foundation of the world. We, who were unlovable, untouchable, we, who ultimately were great rebels, and He knew before He created us how rebellious we were going to be in our heart. This is just so cool. He said, I love you, and I'm going to rescue you. And that alone should floor us. But moving on, what else? That we are free from the bondage of sin and of the devil. We're free. You say, well, I still deal with that. Not yet, fully. But we have victory right now. If you are in Christ, you have victory over sin. So that habitual sin that you keep running to, that you just keep liking so much, you want to know the truth? You want to fight that sin? You want to see victory over that sin? Meditate on the hope that you've been called to in Christ and become so captivated by your love for Him and His love for you that that sin no longer looks so captivating. That's the beauty of the truth of God. You don't have to stay in bondage. And whatever pleasure you get from that sin, it doesn't even compare one ounce to the pleasure and the joy that's found in Christ. Preach that to yourself. We are forgiven and we are declared righteous because of Christ. 
forgiven of all the things that we have done and honestly continue to do and will do in offense to him. We are forgiven by the blood of Christ and then we are declared righteous. Literally, God looks at us and our account is completely clean, perfect, and holy because of Christ and what he sees on Christ's account that's been given to us. This is a rock-hard, awesome awesome hope you see this uh, we will be happy no well we will be happy even more so will be joy joyful I'm getting ahead of myself we will be with him forever and i'm not going to skip the one before that that one day we will be resurrected into an incorruptible body where disease maybe the loss of your physical eyesight where pain suffering be no more and there's a last one everything that happens to me right now is happening to me for my good that's what Romans 8 28 says for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose everything works out for the good to hope. Doesn't always feel that way when you're in the midst of suffering. Doesn't always feel that way when you're in the midst of a traffic jam or somebody cut you off, does it? But the truth is that in every little thing and big thing that happens to you the rest of today and tomorrow and the next day, God is using it for your good to make you more like him and to show you something like he showed me this week. So I'm going to share your story. All right? Yeah, you ready? Wake up, okay, if you're asleep. Don't, don't be asleep. I get really upset about that. I teach middle school and high school. I try to keep them awake. Um, so, so my daughter, Caroline, um, some of you know her. She is taking swimming lessons, um, like, I think they call it, like, beginner intermediate, because she's, like, in the next class. I don't know. Um, she's doing really good. It's really awesome to see her do this. You know, some of you don't really care about that. I get that. But here's the deal. I go to this facility that some of you have been or are on the board of, um, and it's an indoor pool here in Gadsden. Um, and, um, man grateful to have the facility for sure that this is where the swimming lessons go on the only problem is there's not a lot of airflow and she takes lessons at 445 um, this past week and then a little bit this week and 445 in the state of Alabama at this time of year without any airflow with the exception of two doors like those at the back that are open it's really really hot and humid and I've already told you I sweat a lot so that makes it worse, and so I have shorts and a t-shirt on, and um, I'm in this facility taking her to swim lessons, but I'm really just sitting there kind of watching her, all right? Man, the only thing that's taking my mind off the misery that I feel right now is the fact that she's doing really good, and I'm, I'm videoing her, but it is brutal, but you know what? I find a chair. All right, a chair that happens to be positioned 
right there next to the door where there's a breeze coming in. And I say, thank you, Jesus. I do. I'm so pumped. I'm like, this is awesome. Um, but here's the deal. My wife, or no, my wife actually was not there. Um, my daughter is in the pool, but her goggles, because we had some cheap goggles for her at that time, um, they kept popping in the middle. So every time she would move them, they would pop. So being the dad that loves my daughter, I would get up from my chair that was like here, okay, and walk to the edge of the pool, which was like here. See the distance here? Not very far. You'll see why that matters in just a second. And get her, give her help, right? Okay, great. Well, I did this like four times because these goggles, we have bought some since then. Um, man, hmm, sorry. And um, all's well, except, and you may go to church here, and if you do, I love you. I think you're awesome. Um, but you have ninja-like skills <laughs> because apparently one of the times that I went to the edge of the pool, I turned back around, and I never even heard the wind move. A lady just, boom, in the seat. And I literally, <laughs> oh, I was feeling pretty bad. And then, <laughs> and I walk, but I do that like I didn't know you were here. And then I was like, hey, what's up? How are you? <laughs> you know, I'm sure she was like, yeah, you don't like me right now, do you? Um, so anyway, this, so, so let me just tell you about the internal communication, some of it in my head. So I, I see her get my seat. I walk over here. To the other side of the door because I still want to breeze and I'm like saying this are you kidding me but I'm not saying it out loud just in my head and I'm like can you clearly not see that I've been sitting in that seat for at least six or seven minutes and that means I have a claim to it come on but what's the deal here I mean this is going on in my head so if you go to church here I'm confessing this to you um but I'm sitting there thinking really so, praise God, I've been studying this passage, and I just, I pull my phone up, open up the Bible app, and look at this verse 15 and following. And there's two phrases that stick out to me. One is where he says, I give thanks to you for your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. And I go, Okay, God, you love me, and everything I've done to you is so much greater than anybody than what anybody could ever do to me, including, although this lady probably didn't really take my seat, I probably took her seat, but the way I feel right now is that she's offended me. And it really doesn't matter when I think about how much I've offended you. And your response to me is love and grace and mercy. So the Holy Spirit wasn't done. Then I go to the hope of the confidence, the hope that I have, the calling that I've been called to. And I realize, Lord, one day my instinctive response will not be sin 
one day I won't have to battle my flesh and even have those internal conversations that are self-focused and self-glorifying. One day I'll be perfectly with you and like you. I can't wait for that. But right now, God, you're working this out for my good, and I'm seeing some of it. It's just showing me a great joy for the gospel. Help me to show that love, too. Now, I didn't hug the lady, you know. I, I, didn't, I didn't even talk to her, okay? But you know what happened? I mean, God gave me a hope in the midst of my sin. And he gave me a passage that washed the fog away from my eyes to show me truth. I don't know where you're at. That could be a situation that's similar with you. It could be that you're a mom and you're home with your kids and they just all decided to rebel against you today. <laughs> and you're at your wit's end. And you turn to this passage and you go, Lord, one, they're not always going to be like this. Two, my offenses against you are a whole lot worse, although it doesn't feel like it right now. <laughs> but God, you've forgiven me. I pray that you would help me to reflect Christ to them. Please give me strength and let my husband come home soon. Um, <laughs> just being real. But you know, maybe you're in a situation where you strive all day, every single day at work, and all you're trying to do is to get the recognition of your coworkers and your boss to succeed. And what you are chasing is a hope that honestly is fading, frail, and fragile. He is your hope. And the hope of the inheritance that we have in him is so much greater and he who has the greatest authority has given us the loftiest approval in Christ. What is man's approval compared to that? Nothing. And we could go on. Maybe you chase possessions because you want to have all of the things that all of the other people out there have. Well, the value of the inheritance, the hope that's certain that we're going to have in Christ says that everything that we have right now pales in comparison to what we'll have in 10 billion years in Christ. So what should I invest in? Him. And the things that he says last forever, right? Yeah. All right. Grasping the value of the hope that we have in Christ frees us from being captivated by sin and allows us to endure suffering. I have two more points, but you know what? I think what would be best is for us to end with this. What's your hope? What do you hope for? In the moments of your life when everything seems to be gone and lost, what is it that brings you out? 
maybe for some of you it's the mind-numbingness of Netflix. Maybe for others it's friends. Maybe it's family. Maybe for some of you your hope is your retirement account. Not that that's a bad thing, but if that's your sole purpose and hope, it could be gone. Is your hope in Him? When have you felt passionate about God? Maybe it's because your hope's set on the wrong things. And you need the eyes of your heart to be washed with the Word. What that means, though, it's not just a feeling. Be in the Word. Eat, not literally. Take the word and let it come inside of you and change you this week. For some of you, everything that I've talked about does not apply. You want to know why? Because you don't know Jesus. You haven't come to a relationship with him. Maybe for some of you, you're like, I don't even know if he exists. Maybe you're trying to figure out this whole thing of God. Let me just say this. If that's you, I love to talk and hear people who have doubts, disagreements about God. Not because I want to win an argument. Hear me out. Because I care about you. And I want to see what it is you're wrestling with. Now, I'm going to tell you on the front end, I want to talk to you about the doubts I've had in my life and who Christ is. But I'd love to talk to you. And that's not just me. That's any of our staff, for sure. Maybe that's you. The Bible says that you're blind by your sin. You're blinded to all of these things. That the privileges and blessings that are true for those who are believers in Christ is not true for you, apart from coming to faith in Him. So I encourage you. Talk to us. We'd love to set up a time to meet. I want to end with this because it's a quote, and then I'm going to go ahead and ask Kevin and the team to come up as I end with this, and then I'll pray. A guy named John Piper said this, and, and I just I love the quote. He talked about the power of the resurrection power that Paul says in this passage is to us an immeasurable power that's specific to us and in us and through us and this is what he says he says that this power of God it raised us spiritually from the dead and gave us life and faith this power opened our blind eyes and conquered our rebellious wills and created a new heart that loves God and people. And this power will guard us from the dominion of our indwelling sin and bring us to the end in persevering faith. This is resurrection power now to live and to die for the glory of God. Let 
Father, you are glorious in power, in beauty, and in might. As we sit in this room, God, and we have listened to the word that you have proclaimed, Father, I pray that in this moment right now, we would not think about what's for lunch. We would not think about, man, he went over way too long. But we would think about one thing. God, what is it that you're trying to say and speak to me? God, I pray you'd give us a heart that wants to change. I pray that you would give us a heart that so wrestles with sin and wrestles with just the desire to know you that you would wake us up in the middle of the night and make us pray. God, I pray our passion would be